Good morning. Um, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, so like just skip the Old Testament, and it's right there, um, right there on page 1 of the New Testament for us. So excited to be here this morning. I'm going to take a drink of water and try to calm down a second. And I love when um, God just moves in the room, right, <laughs> and, uh, and does something different. Oh, man, so good. But... Uh, this morning, we're going to start a new series, um, Christmas, right? So we're going to start a series uh, on, on Christmas for the next three weeks, and then we're going to be at Christmas, and then, you know, I probably won't talk about Christmas anymore for another year. Um, so um, it's called God With Us, and, and that's that's the whole thing, and that's like what Christmas is, is about. We can make it about like a million other things, but the reality of it is it's it's about God with us. That's the that's the story, right? Like in the beginning, we were with God, and we jacked it up, and then God came to be with us, and and one day, in, in a very real way, we're going to go and we're going to be with God, and and it all comes through this moment where He stepped down and allowed us back into His space. We messed it up, we screwed it up, and you're like, "Well, I wasn't there." Um, no, but you did it today, and you'll do it tomorrow, and right. We, we sin every day, and, and the reality of it is, if, if Jesus hadn't come, that would that'd be the death sentence for us. We'd have no way back. You can't get good enough. You can't be good enough. You can't say enough prayers. You can't be religious enough. Like it's all about Jesus. And the amazing thing about this couple of weeks is we get to we get to encounter that, and we get to just set in that reality that God came to be with us. That he came to make a way that we could be with him. And, and this morning we're going to talk about that in Matthew chapter 1. And, um, you know, um, probably if you've been to church anywhere around Christmas before, you've heard that. And uh, my prayer is today that you won't just turn that off or know this story, right? We do that sometimes. That, yeah, I know this. It's for the one person that's never been to church before that's here, you know. <laughs> and it's just not true. It's for all of us today. And... Um, and I believe God's going to say something today. So just through the power of his spirit, I'm praying in a very real way. He'll, he'll speak to all of us in these moments. But um, the book of Matthew is the, or the gospel of Matthew is this narrative story of Jesus's life as told by the, um, the disciple Matthew. And um, you probably maybe know of that guy. You've heard of him before. He was Levi, this tax collector. And Jesus stepped into his story and he changed like everything about him, including his name. And uh, he, he left this recording, this um, few chapters for us about the amazing things that Jesus did when he walked on this planet. And, and you get back in the beginning of Matthew and you're like, well, Matthew wouldn't have been there for that. And that's true. Um, Matthew would not have been there for the birth of Jesus. Um, probably, I don't know how old Matthew was, but odds are he wasn't. But he would have known Jesus's mom. Like he would have known Mary and Mary and Joseph would have sat around and talked about these stories because, man, it would have seemed crazy, right? Like an angel showed up to you in a dream, and they're like, hey, you're going to have the Son of God. That would have been crazy, and you'd have been like having to check that. Hey, hey, tell me about that dream again. Well, <laughs> well just make that up. Like, what happened? No, let me tell you about this dream again. And they would have talked about it, and then that story would have been passed to, to Matthew, probably through Mary. And then we have it recorded right here, which is an amazing thing. And in the first chapter of Matthew, it says the nativity, right, the little scene we got, the nativity of the Messiah, about verse 18, he starts talking about the, the birth of Jesus. Now, I know we've heard this before, like we've 
probably been to church before today, and we've, even if not, like people put plastic versions of this in their yard, and we have like a pretty good idea, right? Like there was a Mary and a Joseph and a baby and some shepherds and wise men, although not really, and some some animals, and there was this little hut-looking thing, and we kind of know, right, with a little decorative moss on the roof, and then there's this little 12-year-old angel girl, you know, like in the roof with a little wire halo, like we know the thing, even if we've never been here before, but... Man, the early church, they didn't grow up with nativities in the yard, right? When they maybe read this in Matthew or heard it read to them in Matthew, it would have been like the first time they've ever heard this. And they knew the Savior and they believed in Jesus. And and just imagine, like, I've never heard this story before. I know that God sent his son into the world and and through him and through the cross of Jesus, he, he saved the world, made a way that the world could be saved. And like, I believe that, but, but like, how did he get here? Like, how, how, does, how does that happen? And, like, if you were to just make that up, you've never heard that story, you'd probably make up something crazy, right? You'd be like, oh, yeah, just one day in the temple, just, like, rolled out of the altar, come the Son of God, or, like, there was this lightning bolt thing that happened, right? Like, you'd make up some crazy story about how Jesus got here. And I just want you to know today, it is a crazy story how Jesus got here. It's not maybe a story that we would write, but, like, a story only God could write, and and as they heard these words, right, like in 18, the, the birth of Jesus Christ or Jesus the Messiah, the anointed one, it's not like his last name. It wasn't Mary Christ and Joseph Christ and Jesus Christ. Like That was a title, um, Jesus the anointed one or Jesus the Messiah, the, the, the prophesied one, the one we've been looking for. That's this title, Christ. The, the birth of Jesus Christ came about in this way. You've never heard this before. You just like set up, right? Like, man, I want to know. I want to know today. And I wonder if today maybe God would just speak to us in that place of, I want to know. Like, I know that there's a manger, and I know there's shepherds, and I know there's a baby and a mom and a dad. But, like, Jesus, God, what, what, are, you, what are you saying in that? Because I believe he's saying something in that. And he just writes there, right? Like, the birth of Jesus Christ came about in this way. And then he starts telling the story. After his mother, Mary, like we knew she was there, right, had been engaged to Joseph, we figure out that Mary is engaged to Joseph that at this moment in the story in Matthew 18, they're not married, but they're engaged. And, and, you know, we think of engaged as like somebody pulled out a little box with a ring in it and they were like, oh, you want to do this? And they're like, yeah, you want to do this? And anyway, that was it. And in this culture, it's not the same thing. Right? This is probably an arranged marriage, probably a marriage like the parents set up and the dowry's probably already been paid at this point in time. But to use that word engaged, what, what we're saying is like this is contractual now they're gonna get married like this is not one of those things where like three weeks down the line you're like yeah i didn't really mean that but like basically for all the legal purposes we're we're married in this moment but we just not had the ceremony yet and then we see like after his mother mary had been engaged there's some weight to that maybe in our culture we don't get it says it was discovered before they came together this is before the ceremony happened and then before they like intimately came together uh, before they came together, that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Don't you love that last little two words? We've heard this like a million times, so it doesn't even phase us. But like you put yourself in the story, and it's like, that's weird, right? Like we've never seen that before. We've never seen it since then. Like this is the only time ever it's ever happened that, that somebody's became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Like don't try to spin that story because we're not going to believe it is what I mean. Like that's not like a, that's not a thing. 
And this is the story of the, of the birth of Jesus. There was Mary and there was Joseph and they were engaged and they were supposed to get married and like be in love and have a thousand kids and build a house and, you know, do the thing, and get the dog, you know, like all that stuff, right? Like all the stuff that people dream about when they, when they get married. This was supposed to be them. And then like, here's a speed bump in the story before they'd come together, before they had got married and been intimate together, it's discovered that Mary is pregnant. And you just drop like the Holy Spirit thing because we know it, but Joseph doesn't know it, right? Joseph's not caught up yet to what God's doing. And like, I don't know how good Joseph was at math, but I want you to know, like scientifically, people know how babies are made even then, right? And Joseph would have been pretty aware when he come here in this story that, man, that's not my kid. So Joseph hears, hey, by the way, uh, I know you're about to marry Mary. That's a lot to say. I know you're about to marry Mary, um, but she's pregnant. And like immediately he, w- he would have known, like, no, nah, it doesn't make sense. There's no way this is my kid there's no way this is this is my child and then like Matthew throws in for us like by the Holy Spirit but like I don't know who Mary's telling that story to but nobody's believing that story right like imagine going to your parents hey by the way little baby bump um oh no don't worry dad it's it's the Holy Spirit (laughs) mom I promise right this is the Holy Spirit Mm mm-hmm Neighbors, Joseph, this conversation that would have happened probably a couple times. And this is the birth of the Savior. We, we wouldn't have written that story, right? If I'm just sitting around in my room talking about how this God stepped out of heaven, this is not the doorway probably that I would have picked. And he goes on because there's some stuff that comes with that, Ryan. It says, so her husband, Joseph, and you're like, aunt caught it. Problem with the Bible. What do we just say? It's, it's like they're already married contractually. Maybe they haven't had the ceremony and they haven't come together, but people are looking at it like that's, that's husband and wife. They just don't live in the same house yet. It says, so her husband, Joseph, just putting a little more weight on the relationship because our culture doesn't get it like their culture gets it. Um, her husband, Joseph, being a, listen to this, righteous man. We get a little bit of the character of this man, Joseph. We don't get a whole lot about Joseph. I don't know if you've you know, read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. He's just mentioned a handful of times. He's never mentioned after Jesus is 12 years old. So he probably like died somewhere before Jesus would have started his ministry. Um, th- this Joseph, we don't get a whole lot about him. We get some stuff about Mary. We see her even after the, the resurrection. She's there, but we don't. We don't get much about Joseph, but what we do get is he, God calls him here in these moments a righteous man. That's a title, by the way, that God passes out about 13 times in the whole of the Bible. It means morally right and, and good or justifiable. He's a, he's a morally right man. He's a good man by our standards, right? By the way, only 10 of those times that God passes that out was it directed towards a human. The other three times it was Jesus, God the Father, and, and just you know, attached to generic name God. So out of ten men and, well, nine men and one woman that are mentioned in the Bible, he he gets called a righteous man. A righteous man, a morally right and good man. This 
lets us know he's, he's probably a pretty good dude. Um, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, he decided to divorce her secretly. This is kind of the dilemma that we get. We don't know how many like hours, days, moments, weeks, whatever he decided this, but he decided over a span of time that he didn't want to hurt Mary. Now, that's amazing, right? That shows some of his character in itself because he had been hurt, right? Like there's a whole lot of stuff that comes with, I was supposed to marry this person and now she's pregnant and it's not mine. There's a whole lot of probably disappointment and, and sadness and heartbreak and, and, and all kinds of confusion that come with this situation. But even in all that, even in being hurt, he, he's come out to the, at the end of whatever that time span was, he's come out to the decision, I don't want to hurt her back. She's hurt me. I'm not trying to throw any hurt back in her direction. See, in Leviticus, what, what he knows, and maybe we don't know, is she could actually be killed for this. If they could just take her outside of the house and, and stone her to death. Like, because everybody's viewing this as not a miracle of God, but adultery. So Joseph like weighs the options, and he's like, I, I could stay with her. But like, that's going to ruin my name, right? Because they think I'm a righteous guy. If God's calling him that, people have noticed that. That's usually how that works. Like he's, he's considered a good guy. And if he stays with her, it looks like he did something maybe that he shouldn't have done. And if he divorces her publicly, then she'll probably be killed. So he decides just to like walk away. Just, hey, done. I don't, I don't want anything bad to happen to you, but I don't know that I wanted to attach myself to this situation. And he, he decides that, and he's, he's made up his mind. He's, he's went through these things. And it says at that moment, like after he decided that, it says then, right, like in 20, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream. And he's going to give him this message, and we're going to hear about this message, but... I think it's amazing that God waited till like after he had made up his mind what he was going to do. Yeah. Right? Like God already knew what Joseph was going to do. God wasn't sitting around thinking like, okay, like if he do, if he decides to to stay with her, what am I going to how are we going to play this? And if he decides to like just divorce her and they try to kill her, like how am I going to get her out of that? Like God's not sitting around wondering what's going to happen in heaven. Like God already knows what's going to happen, but like God is allowing Joseph here to figure out who Joseph really is. I think it's amazing. God already knew the plan. Joseph was trying to catch up with God's plan. But in that moment, a period that we would call testing, right? Like we would say, oh, God's testing us. Well, God doesn't test us because he doesn't know the answer. He tests us because we need to know the answer, right? Like I teach school and I know, like I can tell you in every one of my classes which kids know how to play their instrument, which ones don't. I don't have to go around the room and be like, you play it, you play it, you play it, you play it, you play it. But sometimes I do that because if you can't play it, you need to know you can't play it. And sometimes, you know, you could, you'd be like, oh, I don't know how that's worked. You'd think they would know, but they don't know. And here God's allowing Joseph to figure out, like, who Joseph really is. Is Joseph a man that's going to, out of hurt, hurt back? Is Joseph a man that really is righteous and good, like people say about him? And, and see, the reality of it is a lot of times we don't know those things until we get in situations that test those things. When the crazy stuff happens, like, that's when we figure out who we really are. Because, man, if everything's going good, it's really easy to just be good at everything. When everything falls apart, man, that's when it, do I have faith? Do I believe this? Does it, does it make sense today? Am I going to keep going today? Am I going to follow God today? And God knows what we're going to do, but sometimes we need to know. 
we're going to do. So he stretches his faith a little bit. And he says, after he'd considered these things and he's decided at that moment when he knew what he was going to do and he laid his head down, then an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream. And he, and he said, Joseph, son of David. Love that. God knows his name right here. <laughs> it's not like, hey, I showed up in the room. Who are you? Who are you in the dream today? Um, God knows him. And he reminds him who he is. Hey, um, you, you are in the lineage of David, right? Because that's important to what we're about to talk about. Um, he says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Afraid is not the word that I probably would have picked, right? <laughs> afraid is, is not. Because like the emotion that I would be looking, making sense in is like, don't be mad at Mary. Maybe you'd already sorted through that. Don't be hurt. Maybe you'd already sorted through that. I don't know. Don't be confused. Don't be disappointed. Don't be, don't be destroyed. But, but he chooses this don't be afraid word. Why, why did Joseph make the decision to, to walk away? It wasn't because of hurt or anger. It was because fear. How to know that? Because that's the thing that God addresses, right? He's like, he didn't say don't be mad. If mad was the issue, he would have addressed the mad. But fear was the issue. So he addressed the fear and he says, hey, don't be, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Well, why would he be afraid? Because he's tying himself to a situation that, that makes him look bad. She's going to look bad. He can't do much about that. But he's choosing to step into the situation and look bad with her. And he's like, you don't have to worry about that. You, you don't have to fear that. You don't have to be afraid of your name today. We're doing something a little bigger than your name today is what he's saying. He says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And he goes on, because what has been conceived in her, oh, by the way, is the Holy Spirit, actually. You know the story that nobody believes? That's, that's, that's real. Um, we've already had a dream moment, and she knows what's going on. And we're just letting you figure it out today in the dream. Um, you, don't, you don't have to be afraid, because, because this, is, this is true. This is not something Mary has done. It's something God is doing. So she will... She will give birth to a son. Now, you've probably had dreams before, right? Like crazy dreams, weird dreams, maybe dreams that you're like, man, that felt real. But the crazy thing about them is when you wake up, if like that doesn't happen, then you, you know it's not reality. So God like puts a stake in the ground right here. So he's going to know in a couple months or weeks or whatever it is when he wakes up and this baby comes and it's a boy, this was, this was a real thing. See, if, if it comes out and it's a girl, like, okay, I just had a crazy dream and I've made a bad decision, right? Like, God's like, hey, it's going to be a boy. She's going to give birth to a son and, um, and, and you're going to name him. God picks out the name. He says, you're going to name him Jesus. You're going to name him Jesus. Yeshua. Um, if you break it down, it's yeah or yah. Yeshua saves. God saves. This name means something. He's like, I'm not letting you pick out the name because you're going to name him something dumb. So we're going to name him God Saves. And here's why we're going to name him God Saves. Because um, he, he will save his people from their sin. Can I, can I just let you in on a secret at this moment? Um, this is not the Savior anybody was looking for. Like, this is not the Messiah they, they were looking for. 
They were looking for somebody who's going to come in and kick out the Romans. And they're going to set up this new kingdom of David, and they're going to like rule and, and prosperity. They're going to make everybody rich and everybody fed well, and then they're going to set up this this kingdom. It's going to reign forever. And like a lot of that is true, but not in the way maybe they were looking for it. So God just says to him, like, hey, I want you to know, like, he, he is going to be the Savior. He, he's the Messiah. He's the one that we're about to talk about in, in Isaiah. Um, but he's not what most people are looking for. See, most people are looking for a God that can come in and like put a little money in the pocket or a God that can come in and like fix the situation or make him happy or like do the thing, like maybe a God that can come in and heal or a God that can, you know, do whatever thing they're looking for that solves some temporary problem. But this this Jesus, this God that come to save, he didn't come to save and to fix a temporary problem primarily, although he does those things. He came to fix like a greater problem, an eternal problem. See, the reason God's been talking about this guy since the garden in chapter 3 is because God set it up where people would be with God. We created Adam and Eve. It was like, man, I just want to be with you guys. I want to just walk up in the garden every day, and I want you to look at me, and I want to love you, and I want you to love me, and I want you to be excited to be around me, and I want you to like long for that. And yes, I'm going to provide for you. And yes, you're going to be safe. And yes, you're going to be healthy and, and all that stuff. Like, yes, all that's true. But, but primarily, God created these people in the garden to share himself with these people. And then, like, they picked something else. They said, man, uh, you're holding something back from me. You're not giving me what, what, what I think you should be giving me. You're holding me back, God, and they just decided they didn't want to be in that space anymore. I don't, I don't want that. And for years and years and years and years and years, there was like nobody living in that place of God's space. None of us were fulfilling purpose. None of us were supposed to be. None of us were in, in, the, in that place where we could be with God and God could be with us and we could have that relationship. And like for the whole Old Testament, God's talking about, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you back to that place. I'm going to bring you back to that place. I'm going to restore relationship. I'm going to send a Savior, and he's going he's gonna to crush the serpent's head. He's going to make a way. He's going he's gonna, he's gonna to invite you back in. He's going to set up an eternal kingdom, and you guys get to come and be part of that. He's going to rule forever. But primarily, what was he doing? He's making a way, and he was talking about it for like, the whole of the Old Testament that we come back in, God says things like, man, I just want to gather you. Like a hen does her chicks. I'll be your God. You can be my people. He's making space for relationship. And they wanted all the benefits, but they weren't looking for a relational God. And then God steps into this dream and this story and, and in the very first chapter of Matthew, and he says, hey, um, one thing, I'm sending a Savior. It's just like I talked about coming through Mary, but, but you guys got it wrong. <laughs> he's, he's come to save you, but not from the Romans, because who cares about the Romans? And he, He's come to save you, but not from your bank account, because he really cares about your bank account. He's come to save you from, from your sin, because I'm trying to make space that we can be together again. I can be your God, and you can be my people, that we can we can... We can share this space, and I can love you, and you can love me.
And what's crazy about that to me is like he doesn't get at this point like the cross. He doesn't know how God's going to do that. He, he doesn't get a picture of it, but he, but he gets like, man, this may be something I want to be a part of. God didn't mandate him to jump into the story of Jesus. He says, hey, I just want you to know you don't have to be afraid to. And it says in 22, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophets. And he just, man, it's all over the Old Testament. He just picks one verse out of Isaiah. I think it's like chapter 7. It says, she, see, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel. Here we are 700 years from when this was spoken. 700 years after everybody else has forgot about what God has spoken, God is still thinking about what God has spoken. I love that. Because, man, we just think God says it, and it's got to be like right then, it's got to be that moment. And if it's not, then we just give up on it. But here we are 700 years later, and, and God's not forgot what God has promised. Everybody in the room or on the planet may have forgotten about what God has promised, but God is still thinking about today what God has promised. So those of us maybe that have been waiting for a little bit, and how comforting. You Maybe you've given up on it, but God's not if God said it. And he says they're going to name him Emmanuel, and really what it means is that they're going to call him, or this will be like a title, right? Like you're like, oh, the angel messed it up, and they tell him to name him Jesus, not Emmanuel. There's not the same name in different languages, by the way. His name is Jesus, God saves, and then they're going to, attach this title on there about how he does it. Because Emmanuel is translated God with us. They're going to call him God with us. God has come to save, and he did that by coming to save. He come to be God with us, not God like above us or God around us or God in those other people, but God in us. And it goes on in the story and it says that Joseph got up and he went and he done everything the angel said, which is an amazing thing, right? Like he gets up and he's like, man, I had a dream and it just makes sense. And man, I'm going to do that. And, but, but what does he do in that moment? He chooses to be part of something greater than himself. He chooses to be part of a story. God didn't say, Joseph, you got to do this or I'm going to kill you. Joseph, you got to do this or I'm going to. I'm going to stamp you out. He says, hey, Joseph, I want you to know something looks crazy that's happening in your life and in your space right now. But it's exactly what I want to happen in your life and your space right now. See, like we expect God to step into this sterile story, right? Like if we, if we were writing this story, we'd be like, man, he just showed up in the temple one day or like he, he was born in a palace. He was born to this wealthy family and, and God put him in an influential place of power this clean, sterile environment. But man, that's not the door that God chose to walk through, is it? Actually, God chose to step into like the craziest story any of us could imagine. He came to a woman who was engaged to another man, never been with that man. And he's like, hey, you know, it'd be fun. Let's, let's put a baby in there. Let's we'll see how riled up we can get Joseph. 
put him in a situation where, man, it's going to look like to Joseph, my world's falling apart. It's going to look like to Joseph, man, I don't, I don't know what's happening right now, but there's no way this is God, right? And then God steps in. He's like, actually, it was me. It was me the whole time. A story that all the people in the town would think, man, something is fishy about Mary over there. Man, called her names probably, run her down probably. Like God almost sent his son into a broken home, right? With a marriage that was falling apart. Like this is, this is the story of how Jesus came. Not how Mary would have planned and not how Joseph would have planned. But man, God had a greater plan. And what I love about that is I, I can relate to that. Like if Jesus would have been born in a, in a sterile situation where everything makes sense, I would have been out. Because, man, more days than not in my life, it, it doesn't make sense. And I'd have been like, of course he would come over there to those people. They have it all together. Or, of course, he would step into to their lives because, man, they're good people. Or, of course, he, he, would, he, would, he would meet with them and be with them and speak to them because, man, look how good and religious they are. But I think maybe God sent his son into like maybe one of the worst imaginable situations that we could think of because, man, for a lot of us, we, we can relate to that. God sent his son into a situation where it looked like everything was about to fall apart because for those of us today that it looks like everything is about to fall apart, God is saying, I don't care to be in your situation. I don't care to come right in the middle of that. I came to be God with you, not God with the people that got it together. Like some of us maybe today, like it feels like, like life is falling apart. Marriage is falling apart. Family's falling apart. Home's falling apart. I'm falling apart. And God's saying, I don't care to be in that. I came to be God with you, not people that got the perfect marriage and the perfect family and the perfect everything and the, the perfect brain space. I didn't come to be with just those people. I came to be with all the people. I'm a Manuel, God with you today. And I don't, need, I don't need to have the argument today of, but I'm going through this and I'm going through that. I'm just saying today, it doesn't matter what you're going through. God is willing today to step in to that situation with you. The, the, you may still be going through it tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And a month from now, everything may still be falling apart. And three years from now, everything may still be crumbling around you, but it doesn't keep God from stepping into it and going through it with you. God's not waiting today for you to get it all together before he moves into your space. And the question today is not, will God come close to me? The question today is, will you let God come close to you? Let's pray.